Thank you for joining us today at LifePoint Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. What's up, LifePoint? How y'all doing today? Come on now. What a great time in worship and prayer. Man, what a great time to be together. Welcome to LifePoint Church, everybody. If this is your very first time, we especially want to say welcome to you. My name is Mike Burnett. My wife, Stephanie, and I are Honored to serve here as pastors of the church. Love to connect with you in the lobby after one of our services today. But welcome to everyone joining us online. Also at our Austin P State University campus. We're back at Austin P, everybody. Let's say hello to our whole church family, folks. Come on now. Hey, we're glad you're here. Lots of new faces uh, at our church today. And it's Baptism Sunday. What a great day to be baptized. If you've not been baptized as a follower of Jesus, today is your day for that. Uh, I have a a number of things that I wanna get to in just a moment, but can I ask you to just pause with me? I feel like um, I have a a word that God has really been stirring in my heart for us for this year. And uh, it's been something during this 21 days of fasting I've come back to every single day of this fast. So I need everybody to do me a favor, figure out a way to take notes right now. I want you to write this down. And I believe this is a word from God for all of you for this whole year. I'm not big on giving like a, a... a slogan for the year or anything like this, but I love God's word. And I, I started reading this text in on the first, I started reading in Luke's gospel and I've just come back every day to this passage that I wanna share with you. I feel like it's a word for us. And I want you to write this down, take the notes I'm gonna share with you. This is outside of my sermon. We just sang about it actually, and it was great confirmation that, uh, that, that this is a word for us. But I want you to write this down um, and, and then we'll get into our message time. But Luke chapter six, Jesus asks what I believe is probably the hardest question of people who follow him. And I want you to hear this question from Jesus as if he's asking directly of you. It's Luke 6, 46, and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I'll be honest, I was struck with this text on January 1st, 2nd, again on the 3rd. I've read it every day this year. Jesus asking it, and I don't think the tone is rhetorical. I don't think he's being trite. I think Jesus is asking in a very direct, confrontive way, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and I do what I say? I think it's worth evaluating the lip service and the life service that we give to Jesus. Many of us might say things that we believe or that we, we agree to about him, but, but does our life look like he's the Lord of it all, right? And I just wanna challenge us as we start out this year, put this verse everywhere you can, even if it's just the address, Luke 6, 46. If you write it down, put it on your dashboard, put it on your mirror. I wanna challenge us with this word this year. Look what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, not do what I tell you? Everyone, and then underline these three things. Everyone who comes to me, hears my words and does what I tell them. Then he gives this parable. He says, I liken it to a man. It's like a man who built a house. And he dug deep and he laid a foundation of the house on a rock. We just sang, Christ is my firm foundation, my rock in in which I stand. The man who comes to me, hears my word, does what I say. He's a man who builds his house deep on a foundation of a rock. And when the floods arise, how many of you know life's still painful when your house is built right? When the floods arise, when the streams break that house, it does not shake it because the house had been well built. The analogy is a well-built house on a rock foundation. Then he says, but the person who in Matthew's gospel says, comes to me and hears my words, 
and doesn't do what I say is like a man who built a house. I want you to see the picture here. The first person is a man who comes to me, hears my words, does what I say, and builds a house. The second man comes to me, hears my words, doesn't do what I say, and still builds a house. What's missing? The following and the obedience piece, right? The, the same thing, like they come to God, hey, church folks, like coming to church, hearing the words of the scripture, but are we doing what God's telling us to do? He said, that person is gonna go build a house as well, but that house, same streams will rise, same storms will come, and it will immediately fall, and the ruin of that house will be great. I just feel really compelled as your pastor to challenge you as we go into this year to decide and commit, I'm gonna follow God. I'm gonna hear from him. I'm gonna spend time with him. I'm gonna hear from him, and I'm gonna do what God says this year. Anybody else need that word for this year? Come on, anybody? Listen, I, we actually wanted to, I didn't have like shirts or anything made with that scripture, and this was kind of burdening me all week. I've talked about this text a lot, but we had these scriptures, these uh, bracelets made for you, and we've, we make them every year, and we present them, and they have three words on them, and it's actually based on this text. The words are pray, listen, move. And we have on our prayer guide, we say pray first. I think God should be in first position of all of our lives, right? So pray first, spend time with God. But this says pray, listen, move. I think that is the three-step order of a life of a person who's following Jesus. We pray first, then we listen to God, and then we do what he says. A lot of us in the West, right, in the Western civilization, we do what we want, and then we go, God, you're cool with this, right? We pray second, third, or last. Or we do what we want and our world falls apart and we go, God, where were you? He says, whoever comes to me, pray, hears my words, listen, and does my words, move. So I, I wanna challenge us with that word for this year. In fact, you're gonna probably hear it a lot throughout the year. You're gonna hear it a number of times in this sermon. This wasn't even in my sermon notes that I prepared, but I just really believe God is calling us because the, the world is getting harder, streams are breaking, storms are coming. How many of you know storms on good people and bad people, right? It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, that storms are coming and it's gonna be hard. But the people that will stand are the people who are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with him and do what he says. And listen, you will survive the stuff that's coming. And we're gonna pray first, we're gonna listen to God and then we're gonna move accordingly. Can I hear an amen from the church, everybody? Is that a word from you? Do you receive it? Amen. Write that down, Luke six forty six and seven. Uh, just real quick before I get into my message, I'm starting a series today and I'll jump right in. I just wanna say thanks again for being here and it is Baptism Sunday, which we're excited for that. Also to our Austin P campus, uh, I'm asking people at our Rossview campus and those of you who are online and at home, if you would consider getting up from your seat and getting up from your couch and joining us at 11 a.m. at Austin P, it's in the Clement Auditorium right on College Street there, right in front of the university. Every Sunday morning at 11 a.m., we would love for 500 people to go and fill that campus up and get us into two services. That is an incredible place to do ministry, to reach people far from God. And the college campus is part of our mission field. And we would love for you guys to give up your seat here and go. So I'm asking 500 of you, and I'm not taking a list or giving, you know, like a clipboard. You just hear from God and go do what he says. And don't pray for long, like show up there next week. I talked to Pastor Jordan and Aaron and I said, you gotta be ready, man. I'm gonna ask them to go. And they said, we'll be ready. And there'll be places for you to serve and engage in small groups to participate in. It is fully LifePoint Church. It's as much of LifePoint as this is. So we'd love for you to be there. 
Also, just so you know, next week we launch our new semester of small groups, which we always have hundreds and hundreds of small groups that meet all over town. But also Monday and Tuesday nights, we have um, discipleship groups. We have new believer stuff, things like grief share, divorce care. We have a new small group for blended families, just helping blended families walk through life with step-parents and step-kids. Financial Peace University, so many of our small groups are sermon-based where they discuss the sermon from that Sunday and they talk about it and work it out. And then, of course, Bible studies all over town. Get on our website, LifePoint Church, to find a small group for you. And we're, host, we're, we're doing host training every day, uh, every Sunday this month. We'd love for you to be a part of that as well. We're on day seven of our 21-day fast. How you guys doing on the fast? Look at you. You survived. You're still alive. So I asked how y'all doing. About 18 people wooed me. So that means the rest of you, we're doing a fast, everyone, and I'd love for you to join us. We still have 14 days left. Uh, Today is day seven, but just if you haven't started yet, it doesn't mean you can't start with us. And if you broke your fast, maybe you did two or three days and you went ahead and ate something, we'll jump back on it. And and the reason we fast is to discipline our body, subject it uh, against one of our most natural impulses to eat. And, uh, And we're saying, I'm saying no to that for a season so I can dedicate more time to prayer and study of God's word. Listen, if you're fasting without prayer and Bible study, you're just on a diet and that's not a fast. I wanna encourage everybody. And listen, fasting is not turning off Netflix for three weeks, all right? Now, all of us need to get rid of a lot of digital uh, information anyway, but that's not a fast. Historically, and in every culture, fasting is always about closing your mouth in order to dedicate more time to prayer. So whether you give up a meal a day, certain foods, going out to eat, coffee, whatever you need to give up, uh, fasting is saying no to a bunch of things so that you can dedicate more time to prayer. And listen, God's not more impressed with you because you fast. This is you disciplining your body. Paul says, I buffet my body. I bring it under subjection every single day. And it's a season. And I'm telling you, if you can fast and not eat for three weeks, you can overcome a lot of the physical temptations of your flesh, I promise you. And so anyway, I wanna invite you to join us for fasting. And then every day, every weekday from noon till 1245 in our Rossview campus lobby, so this location, uh, if you're here, every lunch, every uh, weekday at lunchtime, we're having a 45-minute prayer meeting church-wide, and I want to invite all of you to come. If you're out of school, if you're off work, or if you're at work, take your lunch break and call it a prayer break. I'm driving to my church for prayer. And join us for prayer. We've had 40 to 80 people at a time at these prayer meetings in the lobby. It's tremendous. People getting healed, getting breakthrough. We're praying for each other. We're praying for families, marriages, restored, all that. We'll spend time praying for you, praying for the church, praying for our city, praying for our national government. How many of you know that needs prayer? Are y'all in a talking mood today? Because I'm talking a lot and y'all are not. Join us for prayer every day. And finally, as always, I just wanna say thanks for being a generous church. We are a church that believes in tithing our first tenth to God. The Bible teaches us to give that through our church. So if LifePoint is your home church, I wanna challenge you to make tithing a real priority this year. In fact, I dare you to try it for three months and watch God handle all your needs for you. It's pretty amazing to see the Lord come through. And during our 21 days of fasting and prayer, Uh, We are again partnering with Convoy of Hope to provide clean drinking water for families and people around the world. Now, I got to update you a little bit. So these water filters, these Sawyer water filters, uh, we can give $25, we'll provide a water filter and we'll clean about a million gallons of water if properly maintained. And we give out thousands of these to families around the world through Convoy. Well, years ago, we started this initiative for Convoy. Said, hey, we're gonna do a clean water thing during fasting. That has grown so much. They're actually about to brand this nationwide to churches all over the country because you guys started doing this, right? And the water, 
Water Filters has expanded. Now it's become the Convoy Water Initiative, which includes digging wells, clean water, irrigation systems for farms in the developing world, um, and all kinds of other water projects. And it all started with Water Filters and, and the project that we started like seven years ago. So I wanna ask everyone in our church, praise God for that. I wanna ask everyone in our church during this month while you're fasting, whatever you don't spend because you're fasting, save that money and give it towards clean water. And these, are, these filters are 25 bucks, so what if everyone in your family gave at least one water filter to some family in the world? Uh, $25, we'll have a big offering at the end of the month. Above your tithe, if you would give that, we've given as much as $150,000 in one offering for clean water, and I think we could do that again. But whatever God puts on your heart for clean water during this year of fasting, thank you for your generosity. Okay, everybody say, I love my church. How many of you believe that? Oh wow, about 20% of you, okay. Let me try this side of the room. How many of you believe that? You love your church? I feel like Hulk Hogan. Did y'all see he gave his life to Jesus this last Christmas, everybody? Come on, man. I'm a Hulkamaniac from way back. I used to have some yellow tights rolling around the house. Anyway, so my brothers and I were into wrestling when we were kids. I, my, my action figure was the junkyard dog. Anybody remember JYD? Come on now. That was right. Some of you Gen, Gen Zers are like, what's wrestling? Is that a video game? Is that an app? Anyway. Welcome to our new series called I Love My Church. And uh, I can go on and on about LifePoint and the people here, the families we get to serve, the families we get to know. I've been the pastor here for 13 and a half years and it's such a privilege and honor. I love meeting you in the lobby. I love talking to you at Walmart. My wife and I love running into people all over town, kids basketball games. I got pulled over by a member of our church once, got a ticket. Anyway, (laughs) I said, hey, just give me my ticket. the, I, I want you to understand something. When I say I love my church, I'm not talking about this building. Not at all, in fact. Uh, I love this building, but paying for it and maintaining it is a lot of work and stress. I love you. The church is not a building. The church is the people that meet in a building, whether it's in your small group in your house or in this gathering on Sunday or at Austin P. You are the church, and you are who I love desperately. And as pastors, my wife and I just want to say thank you for being an amazing church. Thank you for being an amazing church to pastor and to lead and to serve. Thank you for trusting us, for caring for our family. But on behalf of our whole team, like it is such a privilege to serve you. Thank you for being kind. We are a no drama church. There may be pockets of drama, but we root it out quick. And we, we say, we ain't got time. Save the drama for your mama. We're trying to reach people. So thank you. It's so easy for us, for our team to say we love you because we really do. We love you. But that's what I want you to say too. I want you to start saying, man, I love my church. In fact, by the end of this series, we're gonna have some uh, window stickers made for you. Say, I love my church, LifePoint. If you're a good driver, put those on your car. (laughs) If you're a bad driver, we got real life Sango stickers and First Baptist stickers. (laughs) Is that wrong? Faith Outreach stickers? Look, all those pastors are my friends. I'm just kidding. But for real, if you're a bad tipper, give a different card out. If you're a bad driver, don't put our sticker. No, for real, I just want that to be your language. Like, I don't know about you, but the church, I believe the church is the hope of the world. I believe it still changes lives. I think it's a place where we can find community and fellowship. I'm walking through some families, with some families through some really hard stuff, some sudden deaths, some tragedies, some marriage breakdowns. And over and over again, we've had conversations where it's like, I don't know how people do this without a church family. Man, I love this church and I want you to love your church too. By the way, I believe in the church. Like we got about 200 churches in Clarksville, but how many of you know we need about 500 more? That's why we're planning another campus. That's why we help pastors. This morning, I texted. There's a, a group of pastors on a text thread. We call it the Clarksville Pastor Squad. It sounds tough, but we just eat a lot of lunches. Anyway, 
<laughs> we pray for each other. We text each other every single Sunday. And I texted him this morning. I said, guys, I'm praying 2024 is your fullest year, your banner year, the greatest year of increase and in ministry effectiveness. Man, I am not jealous about one church over other church. I'm never in competition with other Christians. Are you kidding me? And, and we don't grow a church by recruiting Christians from other churches. We're trying to win lost people. And if you wanna ride the bus to heaven on another bus, I don't care. Just be in the church. We love the church. But I am particularly fond of this one because I love you. I'm telling you, I think about you all the time. It's hard to shut off. You can ask my daughters. I mean, we talk about you all the time. We gotta intentionally go away to stop thinking about you, and it takes a while. But we love you, and we want you to love your church too. The church is not this building. The church is not your pastor. The church is you. And I want y'all to just say it right now. Say, I love my church. This series about you knowing and understanding who we are, what we're about, why we do what we do, and so that we can say with confidence, I love my church. I think the greatest billboard, the greatest advertisement for a church is not billboards in the back of phone books. I think the greatest advertisement for a church is you. Loving your church, believing in your church, not the pastor, the people of your church, the vision of your church and what we do. So today, I wanna start this four-week series with a message about the center beam of our church, like the thing that drives everything we do, and it is our mission of our church. I love our church. I love our mission. Man, if you're a military person, you understand what mission is. It's the what. It's what is the assignment. What are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? And what does it require of me, right? The mission of our church and the mission of God. Now, that may be new language to you. I encourage you to take some good notes here. But God has a mission. God has a plan. God has an objective. Did you know that God is up to something? Did you know God is still busy and on assignment in the world? Did you know that God is working and he's, he's on a heavenly mission, a divine assignment? It didn't stop with Jesus. The angels aren't the only ones busy up there. And you and I get to be a part of this. The simplest way I like to describe the mission of God is this. You should write this down. The mission of God is this. It is God's desire that every human being on planet earth surrender their lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear it one more time. It is God's desire, I believe this with all my heart, the mission of God, it is God's desire that every human being on the planet surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. How can I prove it? God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe. Now, will everyone believe? Probably not. Should they all believe? Absolutely. Does God desire that they all believe and follow Christ? 100%. It is God's desire that every human being on the planet surrender their lives to Jesus. And that's what we wanna talk about today and what stirs us up as a church, what motivates us as pastors and leaders and you as members of this church. But I want you to start by realizing God is busy doing that thing. The, 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 the writer of, uh, I think it's First Peter, Second Peter, in the New Testament, one of the guys said, it is not God's will that anyone should perish, but all should come to repentance. Did you know it's not God's will that anybody go to hell? God doesn't love that, he's not excited about that, he doesn't want that for anybody but that all should come to repentance. Do you ever consider that the Lord is still busy and up to something when it comes to people coming to him? I even think it's true anytime God is up to something new. I mean, the story, we, we've already baptized like 25 people on the first Sunday of the year. You know what that is? That's the story of a new life. That's the story of someone having transformation in their life. We say things like, the God is, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many of you know we serve a God, he does not change? But how many of you know you change and your life changes and your marriage changes and your life can be transformed? Why? I like to say it like this, because the God who never changes is always up to something new. Isn't 
that amazing, everybody. The God who never changes is always doing something new. I don't know about you, but I'm more excited. And I've already preached this twice. In fact, I've already heard it. So I'm gonna amen my own self. Come on, pastor, get it, boy. That's right, nice shoes, thank you. God's doing a new and unique thing here at LifePoint Church. We've had 13 and a half years of growth up and to the right for 13 and a half years, and I don't even think we've begun to see the potential of what God's gonna do with us. We're about to break ground on a 45,000 square feet, second full permanent campus, our third campus in town. And we're gonna, we're gonna pay for it as we go, and we're gonna open that up and see 2,000 new people come to Jesus and come to faith in Christ. God's doing new things, the God who never changes. We're gonna acquire new campuses. We're gonna help new church plants. Why? Because the God who never changes is always wanting to change people and always doing something new. So what's he doing? Why, why now, and what does it require of us? See, we see God growing his church here. We see God reaching people with his gospel, restoring and healing, hurting marriages, raising funds for global impact, touching the lives of hungry people, blessing the homeless, encouraging folks in disasters. But man, we are seeing the Lord move, why? Because God has a mission and God has an objective. Did you know God gave himself an assignment? God gave himself a mission. And he's still on mission until Christ returns, that mission continues. Now you gotta understand this. Let me teach you a little theology here and then we're gonna get into some practice, practical steps for us. First thing we need to understand is as we begin moving forward with our goals as a church, before we get rolling new vision or new plans, new buildings, new campuses, all that kind of stuff, I want us to understand that we are participating in what we believe God is doing. Did you know like growing churches, having more services, adding campuses, That's great for us to enjoy, but we don't get to take any of that with us. We don't own it, right? This is what God's doing. And and, and listen, whatever the Father is doing is something that we should enjoy doing. I'm reminded of that story in the Gospels when Jesus was a 12-year-old boy. Y'all remember this story? It was the first episode of Home Alone for Macaulay Culkin when Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. Y'all remember that story? It's crazy. Joseph's gotta be going, I had one job, raised the Son of God, and I lost him. So they had gone into Jerusalem for Passover from Nazareth, and they caravaned up as a family and a whole community goes up every year for, for the Passover festival. And they spend a whole week there and, and then they're heading back to Nazareth. And the Bible says that they traveled by foot, by caravan for an entire day. And Mary looks at Joseph's like, hey, where's Jesus? He's like, I don't know, I thought he was with you. This is when, Kevin, like from Home Alone. Anyway, Jesus, so she, they rush back to Jerusalem, right? I lost the son of God. So they get back, it takes them a whole day to get back. And they're looking frantically all over town and they find him in the temple. You know what he's doing in the temple? Teaching all the religious leaders. And can you imagine Mary walking into that church service? Jesus, Jesus, hey, how you doing? Shabbat shalom. Anybody whisper, yell at your kids? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know Mary had to get over now. Jesus comes up to, to Mary and she's like, what are you doing here? He goes, woman, 12-year-old boy. Can I just pause and say real quick, if you're a 12-year-old and you respond to your mom with woman, you should expect your head to go all the way around your body and your shoulders stay in the same position. Can all the parents say amen? amen. Respect your parents. Whoop your kids. Anyway, so <laughs> Jesus says, woman, watch what he says. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Church, you need to quote that all the time. You need to tell your boss, you need to tell your coworkers, you need to tell your, your parents, your, your mom, your wife, your husband and them. You need to tell them, hey, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? If we wanna be more like Jesus, we need to behave like Jesus, think like Jesus. Paul writes like this, he says, let the same mind be in you that is also in Christ. 
In fact, he, he makes it very plain in John 5. He said, truly, truly, which means really true. For real true, I say to you, the son, referring to himself. Anybody else talk about yourself in third person? I just think Jesus is kind of funny like that. But hey, he's Jesus. He can do what he wants. Truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord. In other words, Jesus says, I don't come up with the ideas. I don't do anything that I want to do. Watch what he says. But I only do what I see the father doing. For whatever the father does, that's what I do. That's what the son does. Look, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to be Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to be a follower of Christ. And how many of you know, remember what I said earlier, what I feel like is a word from God for us in Luke 6. How do we call him Lord, Lord, and not do the things he does? Well, we should be people who are on mission and on assignment with God. Our heart should be the heart of Christ. His heart was to do the will of the father. Therefore, our heart should be to do the will of the father. What does that mean? It means the mission of God should be the mission of our church, and it is, and we are unapologetic about it. What is God's mission? What's his objective? Do we get to play a part of it? So let me just give you the backstory so you understand. All the way on the left side of your Bible, in Genesis, we see God created everything from nothing. It was good, it was very good, it was perfect. God created as the final stage of his creation. He speaks mankind into existence, and he creates us in his image and in his likeness. He creates us male and female, it's very important that we go back to God's original intended created order, especially in the days we're living in today. God creates us in his image and his likeness. He created us very good, male and female, and marriage is the reason why the two would become one flesh. And he also created us to be in relationship with him. And he gave really simple instructions. I mean, this is the best. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Y'all know what that means, right? That's the first thing he said. You know, Adam's like, pound it, my man. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> Some of y'all first time guests like, what kind of church is this? Awesome. That's what we are. We just say it what we're thinking. Plus, I haven't eaten in seven days, so back off. If I fall over here, you come up here and preach the rest of this thing, all right? <laughs> first thing God says, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. And then he says, you can do all these things. Don't eat from this one tree in the middle of the garden. Guess what they were thinking about? That one tree. Anybody got kids? Y'all can play in the living room and in the bonus room. Don't come in your parents' room. Right? They were tempted. And the first family gave in to their temptation. They ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they fell into sin. The Bible says that immediately their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. I just wonder, like, how did you not know before? Okay, whatever, man. You be you, dog. And then they covered themselves in fig leaves out of shame, because that's what sin does to us. It causes us to shame ourselves. We find shame and we cover our shame with excuses and with all kinds of things. Name your own fig leaf. And then they hid. Watch this, verse eight says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I just want you to see this picture. This is what God desires with you. I want you to realize God's desire is for you and him to have a daily walk. And Adam and Eve had that opportunity and they ruined it by sin. Watch this. They heard the sound of the Lord walking with them in the cool of the garden, in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And the Lord calls out and says, where are you guys? Like God didn't know. You ever play hide and seek with your little kid? Where are you? No, you're right here. God's given them an opportunity to speak up. And they said, we're here, Lord. We've hidden ourselves. 
and we've covered ourselves. And he goes, why? why? The Lord says, who told you you were naked? Actually, in the Southern King James, it's who told you you were naked? And he goes, why are you coming? What happened? And Adam says, this woman you gave me, such a dude, such a dude. <laughs> Fellas, just own your mistakes, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, he says, this woman gave me the fruit. <laughs> and God, you know, he's looking at Adam like, you dirtbag. <laughs> and Eve's probably looking at him too like, I will kill you in your sleep. <laughs> and before God punished them, which there is punishment, pain and labor, men have to work the ground forever. To, now we, like God doesn't just give us trees with fruit, now we gotta go grow it and work it. We have to work and labor and pain. Before God said that, he says to the devil, you cursed serpent. And he says, I will, verse 16, 15, I will put enmity, which is division and discord between you and the woman, and that word for woman there represents her and her lineage, right? All of her seed, all of the human race. I will, there is an enmity, there's an enemy, a chasm between you and humanity. There's a conflict. And he says, I will put enmity between you. And then he says, between your offspring, so everyone you represent, everyone who follows you, everyone who lives for you, and her offspring, which Paul says in Galatians would become Jesus ultimately. The offspring of that woman and why we have the Old Testament is the story of Israel being preserved to bring that woman's offspring to be Jesus, which we just celebrated at Christmas. Did y'all like my timeline that I did with my hands right there? (laughs) That was the book of Isaiah. He said, I will put enmity between you, basically humanity and sin, and between your offspring and everything you represent and her offspring, which will ultimately be Jesus and all his people. And he will bruise, one version says, he will crush your head. The promise of God is first told right here. There's a divide between what you represent and what my people will be, and the the seed that would come from her will crush you. That's the first time the gospel shows up in the Bible. The seed of that woman would crush the head of the devil. And he says, and you'll you'll bruise his heel, and that's the cross, that's the the, the passion, right? And here's, here's what I want you to understand, the mission of God. As soon as sin separates humanity from a holy God, which we separated ourselves, we hid ourselves from him in the cool of the garden, God immediately says, I got a plan to repair it. As soon as sin divides us, God says, I'll fix it. And he first curses the devil. He is no longer the one that we need to follow or be led by, including culture and all the craziness that he represents. But as soon as that happened, God said, I'm gonna fix it. And it'll be through this seed that this woman of this woman will come to crush the head of the devil. And all of the Old Testament is pointing us then to Jesus. The story of Israel is about preserving a people to bring about this savior. And then Jesus comes on the scene and we just celebrated that last week in Christmas, two weeks ago. Then John three, Jesus declares it finally when he's talking to Nicodemus and he says, God so loved the whole world. How many of you know God loves everyone on this planet? Remember what I said earlier, the mission of God is that every human being on planet earth would give their lives to Jesus. Jesus said, God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, me, that whoever would believe in him, and that word believe is so deeply entrenched with, like so loaded with commitment. Whoever believes, like you are fully convinced, like you're, you're dedicated to this so much that it changes your life. Whoever believes in me will not perish like they would before, but now they'll have eternal life. Verse 17, he says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Have you ever known those Christians can be real condemning? Man, that is not a spiritual gift. Y'all need to quit all that mess because our Lord didn't come here to condemn people and we shouldn't either. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In fact, Jesus very plainly says his mission, the son of man came to seek and to save. 
It's a rescue mission. What's the mission of God? To restore what was destroyed in the Garden of Eden. And listen, every person apart from Christ is still in bondage of the serpent who deceived us to begin with. But the one who crushes the power of the devil over all of our lives is Jesus who came to seek and save lost people. Now listen, some people are offended by the term lost in the church world. I don't understand that. It's a Jesus term. You can't deconstruct what the Lord said, all right? But I want you to understand what lost people, who lost people are. Lost people are anyone who's not bowed their knee to Jesus. Notice I didn't say it's anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus because the devil believes in Jesus. Let's be very clear about something. Belief in that word, John 3, 16, whoever believes in is fully convinced, dedicates their life to me, will be saved. Lost people are any people who don't bend their knee in their life to Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Not live how I tell you to live. In case you don't realize, we belong to Jesus, so we get to be about what he's about. So if lost people matter to Jesus, seeking and saving lost matters to him, guess who that should also matter to? You can respond. Guess who else that matters to? That sounds pretty harsh, but let me just say it like this. People who are far from Christ are still his top priority. Sometimes churches think church is all about Christians, church is all about us, church is for me. I go to a church where I get the most, I go to the church where I like the preaching and the music and the style. I go to the church that I grew up in, I go to my denominational style. I go to a church where they believe like I believe. I'm amazed. Christians do so much warring and fighting over uh, how to be Christians together instead of fighting the devil for lost people. I am not interested in theological fights with you. I am way more interested in reaching your lost family members. Listen, People far from Christ are still his top priority. Go read Luke, Luke chapter 15. It's the greatest thing that he thinks about. That means people far from Christ are still a top priority for LifePoint Church. It's one of the things I love about this church. We are a church on mission with Jesus. Now, it's my hope and desire that we would be a church that reflects not our wishes, not our dreams, not our theological demands, but we'd be a church that reflects the heart and mission of Christ. Now, let me just say it clearly. I, sometimes I get accused of, of watering down the gospel and being seeker friendly and letting just anybody lead and whatever be a part of this church. Let me be very clear about something. Sinners need to repent. If you're gonna follow Jesus, you gotta repent from your sin. Sin is anything that you're doing in rebellion to God, against the word of God, against the will of God. Sin will still separate you from God. But we have made it very clear. Anybody's welcome to come here and have their lives wrecked by Jesus, not his followers. Can I hear an amen from the church, somebody? People go, well, they just let any kind of, I, I got stopped once going to the gym, as you might imagine. Um, this guy stopped me, he was like, I heard about your church. Y'all let all kinds of people in there, don't you? I was like, oh, heck yeah, we do. And he goes, you let all kinds of people in there. I was like, what are you talking about? I just really wanted him to say what he was thinking. But man, some people are so uncomfortable going to a church where folks who don't look like us, date like us, vote like us, come on, now that's the big litmus test. Now, they all come together or, or, or all these different denominational backgrounds or we're uncomfortable if someone from a whole different worldview or tradition or, or atheistic views come together. I go, where else do you want them to be on Sunday mornings? You know, you never go to a restaurant because you're full. Man, I am so bloated full. Let's go to Panera. Like nobody goes to a restaurant full. When do you go to a restaurant? When you are hungry. Guess what our world is full of? Hungry for Jesus people. Where's the only place they can come get food? It's right here in this church. So we are gonna say it unapologetically. Now listen to me. Anybody's welcome to come to our church and let Jesus totally change their lives. Now look, just because you can come here don't mean you're gonna lead here. 
Some people are like, hey, I'm going to get all involved. I'm going to be the next preacher on the calendar, but I'm living with my girlfriend and I'm a drug addict. Well, we're going to pause all that. We're going to let Jesus fix that around you. Jesus had a knack for attracting lost people. It's actually what got him crucified. And I will be the kind of pastor that says, anybody can come here. I've been ridiculed for it a lot. I don't really care. They didn't put me on a cross yet, so thank God for that. I ain't going either. But we're going to be a church. Why? Because we, and listen, I'm not just talking about coming to a Sunday. I'm talking about sitting in your cubicle with you and being your friend and going to lunch with you. That doesn't mean we water down what we believe. We know what we believe. The doctrines are given to us by Christ. We're not going to follow culture. We're not going to follow the crazy whims of political stuff. We're not going to just woke ourselves up to all this crazy banana stuff. We're going to stay very tight and tethered to Jesus as Lord of this whole thing. Can I hear an amen, everybody? But who else needs that but lost people? The mission of God is to seek and save the lost. So that's what we're about. Jesus actually gave that mission to us. Some people are like, well, if Jesus loves lost people so much, I wish he'd come on back down here and reach some lost people. Well, he came once. He's not coming again. Hebrews said he came once for all. And you know what he did after that? He said, now this is your assignment. He goes, now this is your turn. Anybody remember class like when your teacher teaches and then they go, okay, everybody, here's your assignment. Now y'all go do what I taught you. Jesus in Matthew 28, right before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, says, all authority in heaven and earth is on me. I just need you to remember that when you pray this week. God has all authority in the heavens and all authority on the earth. Did you know God has more authority than your kids' schools? God has more authority than TikTok influencers. God has more authority than Taylor Swift. God has more authority than bad parenting. God has more authority than the government. God has more authority than Target. He has all authority. And some of us need to remember that when we pray, God, you own it all. You're a boss over all. You know what? You have authority over my boss who's crazy and making my life really hard. So I'm praying right now that your authority would intercede. I just need to pause right there and remind you that God has all authority, not just in heaven, but also on earth. And then look what he says. So because I got all authority, go therefore and look at our assignment. Make disciples. That means followers, students of Jesus. Of all people, what about this group? What about that group? What about Democrats or Republicans? Are you kidding me? What about black people or white people, gay people? What about people from California? (laughs) See, all you Californians are like, what's the joke? Well, that's why you moved here. So glad you're here. Welcome to heaven. And we qualify. We'll go make disciples of people that I have an affinity for. That's not what Jesus said. He said, make disciples of everybody. Look what he said, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. Hey, everything God's done in your life is transferable. And you are responsible for this now. God has a mission, and he's given his mission to his church. In fact, your Bible actually calls this the great commission. It's God's mission, and he's now given it to us. But you know what's really interesting? If I ask you right now to point at the preacher in the room, everybody point at the preacher in the room. Oh, some of you have heard this example before. Years ago, I did that, and the room was like, pointed all at me, and I was like, nah, I'm the pastor. You could tell old school Southern folks when they introduced me, like, this here's my preacher. Well, I do other things than that. It's about 5% of my job is preaching. I'm the pastor, but we're all preachers. We're all witnesses of the gospel. This great commission was not just given to ministry, seminary grads, and ministers. The great commission was given to disciples. 
And this commission is our commission. And that's what I love about the church is that we are on assignment. We, all of us, are on assignment. We say it like this at LifePoint to simplify it. The mission of our church is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. That means they get baptized. They learn the words of Jesus. They, they, they observe all the things that he's taught, that he taught us. That's our mission. It's the one thing and it's everything we do here. Can I just say this lovingly and pastorally? The reality is uh, most local churches don't think about this enough. But I believe church people and Christians should obsess about reaching people far from God. We, what we do is we post about them, we passive aggressively text about them, we make fun of people that are far from God, and we go, you wouldn't believe the kind of people that my kids go to school with. Yeah, I believe it. And that's why your kids are going to school there, to be a witness of the gospel. You wouldn't believe my boss. She is just a blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, you mean she's lost and needs Jesus? Well, isn't it so great that you go to work there? We'd rather complain about than convert about. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? We, we, we have got to get obsessed with seeing people far from God come to know Jesus. I heard a stat this week from Pastor Greg Laurie out of California who said up to 95% of Christians, 95% of Christians have never shared their faith or invited another person to know Christ. I had a family member ask me over Christmas. They said, how, how do you believe that the Christian gospel is the only way to heaven? I said, because Jesus said it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It's real easy. He said it, I believe it. And if it ain't true, then he's a liar and I don't believe anything he said. But he said it and I believe it. And he died and raised from the dead to cover sins and to de defeat death. I mean, the gospel's true. And then she said, well, okay, fine, but like most of the world doesn't believe that. And I said, right, which means we have a lot of work to do. She goes, but how could a God, how could God require the whole world to believe one pathway, but most of the world never believes it? I said, that's not a problem with him, that's a problem with us. And she said, well, if I was called to be a missionary, and let's say I was called to go to China and give up my job and be a missionary. I've got this whole country to reach and I'm one person. It's illegal to reach those people. How in the world is that even gonna happen? I said, you're thinking about this from the wrong perspective. Let me play the numbers a different way. The reality is the world is close to 8 billion people and about 1.2 billion of them are Christians. And if every Christian took seriously the assignment from God to be on mission with God and to tell the gospel to somebody, listen, our, our ratios, if every one Christian would just tell seven non-Christians, we would actually reach the whole world. So you don't have to reach an entire country. I don't have to reach an entire city. You don't have to reach your entire firm. But if you and I could reach seven people in our lifetime, we could reach the entire world. And Jesus actually said, this is what I want my church to be about. But we've professionalized it. We've said, my preacher's the guy who stands on stage. You're the preacher. People call me and they go, hey, would you come to my work and help meet with my so-and-so and tell them about Jesus? I was like, how about I tell you what to say and you go tell them. Pastor, would you baptize my children? Why don't you baptize your kid? That great commission is not just for pastors. The great commission is for Christians. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So listen, we have a mission. It's what we do and it's all we do and I have to finish because I'm out of time. So we love God, which means we love his mission. So I wanna give you these five things that I'm gonna ask you to do this year because you love your church. Everybody say, I love my church. So do these five things, write them down. The first thing I wanna ask you to do is attend your church regularly. I mean, you know, it's good to be regular. Amen, praise the Lord. <laughs> that joke hits every time, just saying. Attend church regularly. Just decide, I'm gonna go to church 52 times this year on Sundays. I'm gonna get in a small group this year and I'm gonna show up. And I promise you this, every time you're going to small group, you're gonna fight with your wife and you're gonna hate going to small group. And as soon as you get there, you're gonna put on your Christian face and go, hey brother, how you doing? Bless the Lord. Where's the potluck? And then you're gonna walk out of there going, that was the best night of my life. 
Just commit, I'm gonna attend regularly. When we have a night of worship, come. When we have a men's night, we're only putting on these activities and events for you. So be faithful to attend church, be in small groups. Second thing, build a prayer life. Listen, we wanna help you with a pray first guide. This will teach you how to pray all year long. You remember when the Bible says in Genesis, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the cool of the garden? I want you to think every time you pray is you and God walking in the cool of the garden again. He has repaired that place for you because of Jesus. Pray every day, faithfully. Third is serve joyfully. I'm gonna say something hard here in just a second, but I wanna encourage you. Every Christian should serve other people. Every Christian can easily serve in their local church. If you're not part of serving somewhere, you're missing out on an amazing opportunity. Fellas, can you please get on our Kid Point team and our worship team? Love to see some dudes up here with big old giant biceps leading us all in worship. Can I just say something really hard? I'm gonna offend you, but I'm gonna say it anyway because I love you. Can I offend you right now? Can I? Come on, I haven't eaten all week. Let me have this, one thing. Hey, I wanna talk to everybody who doesn't serve others. You need to grow up. You need to grow in humility and a servant's heart. To be a Christian who just comes to church and receives constantly is immature. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served by others. I came to serve everybody. And if you're a believer and you just come, get your spot, grab your coffee, sit in your service, get your notes, and roll out of here, we're missing your gift. And you're holding it too tight and you need to mature in this area of your life. Next is I wanna encourage you to invite others. You are the best billboard to the church. Listen, the greatest place for lost people is the body of Christ. I used to get calls back in the day when I was new. People would say, hey, I'm bringing a friend. What are you preaching? Are you doing anything crazy? Anybody ever been a part of a church where you're always like, I'll explain after, you know, like, I used to go, man, it's gonna be wild as craziness here today. I got two snakes today, man, it's gonna be awesome. You know, if you love your church, you should tell people about it. Man, it's changed my life. I heard a guy tell me this week during prayer. He's like, ever since coming to Life Point, he said, I grew up in church, but I'm telling you, I wasn't for real about Jesus. He said, I came here, I kept hearing you talk about go all in, go all in, go all in. It has changed my life. Man, I'm committed to Jesus like never before. I'm praying to hear from God for the first time. He said, I'm leading my wife. He said, we were living together before we were married. And you said one time on one of our first services, like if you're living together out of marriage, get married if you wanna honor God or move out. And he said, I looked at her and we got married the next day. And now they're expecting their second kid. He said, we started tithing. He said, I've never been a giver like that. And he said, every time I tithe, I get a pay raise or some bonus. It's crazy. He said, I can't outgive God. The Lord will change your life. The church is the hope of the world. You should be inviting people like crazy. All the whacked out people that you can't stand being around at work need Jesus. Finally, be a generous giver. Just choose. Man, I'm gonna be a tither. That should be a, I ain't even gonna pray about it kind of thing. Just be a tither, be a 10% giver. Just decide this year, this is the year I'm gonna set that in my budget. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna become a generous giver. I'm gonna try to buy 20 water filters this January. I don't know what God, what God will put on your heart, but be a generous giver. Everything God wants to do here, he'll pay for it. If we'll obey him in giving, I will tell you practically, we have about a 40% gap in what your, your giving potential is versus what you're doing. Church, why do you call him Lord, Lord? And not do the things that he says. Love his church, gather with his church, build a prayer life, be a part of expanding the work of the kingdom. Listen to me, share the gospel. And you go, I don't know what to say. Look, y'all hired me as pastor and I didn't know what to say for years. I still feel like I'm faking it with you guys. Here's what I believe. Jesus said, when you're in front of folks, the Lord will tell you what to say. Now I manuscripted all throughout the weeks. That's for your benefit, I promise you. 
But there's times that I just speak because the Lord's prompting. He will help you. He's a good, good God. Amen. Hey, before you leave, let me pray for you. Did y'all get anything out of this message today? You love your church, Life Point. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you for your church. Thank you, Lord, that you are building your church all around the world and in our city and in us. God, we thank you so much that you love Life Point. God, you love every church in the city. Thank you so much, Lord God, for the great commission, for the mission of God that is the mission of this church. Lord, I pray first beyond anything else, God, if there's anyone here that's not received the gospel of Jesus, has not been a recipient of the mission of God, God, we wanna shore that up right now. Man, if you're sitting in this room right now or watching online and you say, I need to receive the gospel, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've played games with God for a long time or you've danced around this, but Jesus has spoken to you and said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, not obey me and live for me? Let's seal that up right now. Would everybody just pray this prayer with me? Come on, say, God, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin, that he raised from the dead to give me eternal life and eternal living. Say, I confess my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and say, I receive your salvation by faith. Now, everybody else pray this with me. Say, you are Lord of my life. I'm all in to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, I'm all yours. Say, this year, I'm yours. It's your year in Jesus' name. Say, help me by the Holy Spirit to God be the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. We hope that you've been inspired and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected, or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Sunday.